Come on. Hello, dear listener. Before we get into today's show, quick ask. If you find value in today's show or you've gotten value out of a previous show, please leave us a quick five-star review. Be super grateful. Thanks a lot. Welcome to Money Savage, a savage approach to personal finance. This is George Grumbacher, and the time is right. Welcome today's guest, strong and powerful Scott Myers. Scott, are you ready to do this? I am absolutely ready to do this, George. Excellent. Let's let, let's do this. Scott is the owner of Kingdom Storage Holdings. He is an entrepreneur, a coach, a consultant. They have 2.2 million square feet owned nationwide, 13,000 doors, and $160 million in assets under management. I'm excited to have you on. Scott, tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do. Sure. Live in Indianapolis with my better half, um, the love of my life, and also an incredible partner in our business. And we have three amazing uh, children that are uh, 19, 17, and 14. And uh, we like to travel, and we travel a lot. We also do a lot of mission work. We spend time in Mexico and the Dominican Republic building houses. We do that along with our, our family and friends and coworkers and some of our partners uh, as well. And then in spare time, I, I enjoy watching, not participating in. I wish I could, but uh, motor racing, all forms, but mostly Formula One. Nice. Um, always, uh, always, obviously, the, 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 the most important thing for people is is the family. So how, how, how are the kids handling the pandemic, 19, 17, and 14? That's, that, that's got to be tough. You know, it, it, it was in the in the beginning and we gave them just a little more freedom after things started opening up a little bit. Um, of course, we, we homeschooled for years until they went off to last years of high school and then in college. And so, you know, when everything shut down and my daughter came home from college and the other two came home, my wife and I were doing a little happy dance because we had everybody back under one roof again. <laughs> uh, the kids, not so much. And they're 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 very social creatures as, as they all are right now and at this age. And so. Yeah, it was it was tough on them to, to be in isolation. So we did our best to open it up as safely as possible to allow them to do some things. We hosted some uh, events here, like uh, their uh, church gatherings that we had in our backyard, as long as everybody was in outside and, and in lawn chairs. And we had a TV with the service uh, on and, uh, you know, a couple of small gatherings that we allowed them to do. And so, you know, once things opened back up, they certainly did a lot better. But uh, no, certainly wasn't fun in, in the beginning. And uh, no teenager wants to go through that. But you figured it out. So we figured it out. People are resilient. Kids are kids are super resilient. So I appreciate mm-hmm. that. Nice. All right. So so you've been um, I'm, I'm going to label you a, a, a lifelong entrepreneur. I, I know that you've built several million dollar businesses and have done a lot in the real estate world. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'd love to just hear a little bit about your journey and, and how you've settled on um, really focusing on the self storage space. So why don't we why don't we jump off with that? Sure. Yeah. So out of college, I worked for a number of years in telecommunications. I worked for Lucent Technologies and AT&T. And what I saw is in the dot-com crash of 99 is one of those companies that I was working for. They were cooking the books. And I overnight watched my IRA, my retirement funds, go down in flames, Mm -hmm. about 300,000 to nothing. And over the years, we had been buying single family rental homes and renting them out and building up a portfolio and our retirement assets as a supplement. And then you know, that was a pivot point uh, when you lose 300 grand and in your retirement account. 
And so I put pencil to paper and realized that on an hourly basis, we're really making more money in, in real estate in our in our rental houses than I was working for a Fortune 500 company. And I was building at the same time our retirement. And it was something that we could see touch and feel. And I knew who the managers of that business were and the accountants because they were myself and my wife and we weren't going to cook the books. And so we devised a plan to. Uh, quickly move out of corporate America and uh, being reliant on those jobs and the 401ks uh, along with it and started to ramp up our portfolio of houses and then apartments uh, to the point where we had about 500 doors all together in, in apartments and, and single family homes and realized that you know the tenants and toilets and trash business isn't all that it's cracked up to be and it certainly isn't uh, as passive as we wanted it to be. It was mm-hmm. very, very active business. So uh, in, in staying in real estate and for all the reasons we love to invest in real estate and we can borrow money to buy it, uh, it appreciates if you do it right. We can count depreciation uh, against it off of our tax returns and we put renters in to pay down our basis. I mean, there's no other investment in, in our mind that has those benefits. But if it weren't for the tenants and toilets, so uh, what's left is self-storage or parking lots. And you can't really build value in parking lots, but you can in self-storage. And so began learning as much as I could about self-storage, uh, grabbed a partner, and we purchased our first self-storage facility and uh, turned it around. And uh, subsequently, I sold that uh, those shares to my partner, but all the while learning that the intricacies of the business and that if somebody doesn't pay you rent, you lock them out because we don't have habitation laws or eviction laws, we have lien laws. And if they don't pay, we lock them out and then sell their stuff like you've seen or some people have seen on the shows. Sure. And it, it is very recession resistant. When people downsize and businesses downsize, they run to storage and we actually do better. Occupancy goes up and our rental rates go up. When the economy is going well, people buy more stuff and they run out of room at their house and their garage and their basement. And so they put things in storage. And so it does very well in both economies. So we began selling off our homes and apartments and then just did nothing but to invest and double down into self-storage. And so I only have one house left. It's the one that I live in and everything else we've done up to this point has been uh, self-storage. Nice. All right. So <clears throat> that's all all compelling reasons to uh, to uh, go with your strategy. So when 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 you're talking with people who are more traditional investors and they've been successful mm-hmm. with the stock market and and their retirement plan and they say okay, I'm I'm ready and looking to do more for lack of a better term alternative investing. Mm-hmm. How how do you counsel them on making good investment decisions? Mm-hmm. So uh, along the way, the way that is the way that we've grown, you run out of cash and therefore you run out of the ability to do deals. And so we begin syndicating and bringing in partners uh, that are passive investors in those projects. And so we, we did our homework, we listened and we understood and being investors ourselves, we knew the reasons why we liked it, but looking for, uh, but we did it actively. So for the passive investor, you know, what is it that they want? Well, first and foremost, they're looking for capital preservation. And so we have a pretty good story to tell and the stats behind it. So storage has done well over the past 30 years. When you look at the trajectory and and again, doing so well during both good and bad economies, it doesn't have the swings of the stock market or even other forms of real estate or alternative investments. Uh, We're we're just not susceptible to those swings. So that's one. Um, It has been uh, one of the most high flying and and most profitable asset classes, uh, again, during those uh, the past 30 years that we've been looking at it and investing in it. 
And every time we head into a session, uh, a, a, a part that we're heading into right now in our economy, like a recession, uh, there's trauma and there's transition. That's when self-storage does well. And so when everybody's exiting the stock market or these other asset classes, uh, again, it's a very popular alternative um, for those reasons. And of course, as they're investing, as they would look to invest with anyone, you know, we coach them to say, hey, the thing that you need to be looking at the most is, you know, who is it that you're putting your money with, the syndicator, the promoter? What is their track record? Do your due diligence and evaluations rather than just the, the glossy as we call it, the PDF that comes across electronically with projections on returns, you know, have they had a successful track run of buying or developing real estate, creating value and then selling and hitting their marks or the projections to their investors. So we we come at it as more of a consultant and, um, you know, making them better investors, regardless of whether we, they invest with us or not. And I, I obviously that goes a long way. If uh, you come at it with that approach as more of a consultant, as you know, that, that that's your business. And and then they make up their own mind and decision based upon what we teach them about the industry. That all makes sense. So that is something I wanted to ask you about was how do I how do I know if 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 what this person is presenting to me is, in fact, real? Their presentation deck looks great and they, mm-hmm. they, they, they certainly come across polished. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so how do I check the books? How do I, how, how do I trust, but verify? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, we also coach our folks and, and many other folks do as well. They're passive investors to say, well, you know, you need to lurk and you need to follow these people for a little while. Um, you stumble across somebody's website and they're promising some stellar returns. You know, the old adage is if it's too good to be true, that probably is, but you know, you can look and, and if it is a solid syndicator or promoter, then they've got a track record of properties and projects that they have exited and what those returns are. And typically that's public knowledge that is that can be drawn from their, their website in the form of a PDS, but uh, also in your one-on-one investor call with them, then you can ask them to send that supporting documentation over, which is where they bought it and where they exited. And uh, most indicators are, are happy to provide that information. As a matter of fact, if they've done well and they've, um, you know, over-delivered for their investors, they're happy to show that proof and, and put it out there. Uh, but the folks that are offering stellar returns um, and all they've done is acquire, but they haven't exited profitably, um, those are the folks that we don't tell our investors to necessarily steer clear of. But um, anybody can put the glossy out there and state what the, the returns are going to be. But are, are they tracking? And, and again, have they exited? Now, why why is that important to, to have exited? Uh, I, I think just for the fact or the, the, the question you're asking and that everybody is, uh, is asking themselves is, why should I put my trust in you? And, and I think they can always do that. They're used to doing that in the stock market because they have the, the, the option or the choice of exiting at, certain, at a certain point when it goes up. Uh, but typically with these syndications, you know, we have a five-year hold, a four-year hold, and at that time, we're going to exit, and this is the value of the facility at that time we're going to exit, and then we divvy up the profits along with the percentage of cash flow along that entire period, and if that matches up with the projections or beats it, then that's how the investor knows that they have received those returns. So 
in asking a syndicator that um, uh, regarding the returns that they produced for their previous investors, we absolutely want to see that they hit their marks. You know, what was the the glossy? What were the projections and the IRR and the equity multiple uh, along the way on this uh, project that you had presented in the beginning? And did you hit your mark when you exited? Was your term in value at $9,575,000? Well, did you sell it for that? And if so, did everything else fall in line to produce those returns? Well, that certainly makes sense. So upfront, when 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 you're putting deals together and uh, looking for investors, you are mm-hmm. putting together a projection of saying, okay, here's here's the the cash flow that that we're hoping to get you. So you know we can't guarantee it, but this is what we're hoping to get, so you can expect it. And then we're looking at five years, and then we'll try and exit. Is that the kind of projection that you're providing? Essentially, essentially. And, and what we do, George, to, to add that extra layer of uh, assurance for those folks is that we, we don't raise capital and we don't put these projections together just based off of um, our, our numbers and where we feel it's going to go. You know, we have consultants that perform feasibility studies that we pay a lot of money to come in and study our project, look at the costs, look at the market, the supply index, where rates are, are headed, the competition. And uh, we pay lots of money for them to dig into the market and this particular project to to help us with those projections. And we raise capital, we put the lender package together based upon the study from the feasibility consultant. So it's not just our numbers, it's not our dog and pony show and, and promising these returns. That is, um, it comes straight from the consultant who's already done all that homework for us. And that's what we share with our investors to say, hey, this isn't Scott and his team and kingdom. You know, this project has been blessed and it's been formulated by a third party independent consultant who does not have a dog in the hunt. Nice. Well, I appreciate that. I can remember and uh, I remember Early in my career, somebody gave me this this sort of a sheet, a graphic of different asset classes and mm-hmm. which which asset class performed top or you know first and second and third over you know it's like a twenty or fifty year history and invariably um, they were just always different and I'm, I don't I'm for sure hundred percent that there was not self storage on there. There's probably <laughs> real estate, which is mm-hmm. just kind of silly to think about lumping all real estate into a graph like that. But I could certainly appreciate why it would be very attractive because um, this does sound like it's a non-correlated asset, right? It's it's not subject to the stock market. And it's you mentioned when times get tough, um, it, it actually may be better for the stealth storage unit or in, in industry because people move more towards that. Um, looking forward with just reading the tea leaves, you, you, you still feel good about the industry. We, we do. And, you know, again, we are in the trauma and transition business and we, we do well when things uh, in the economy aren't going so well. And yes, self-storage is, uh, again, a little bit protected uh, from that uh, compared to the other asset classes in real estate because it is different. Um, even from the outset, the SBA, uh, they offer loans for self-storage that they don't offer for any other type or form of real estate because they do look at it more as a business and you could say it's 50 percent a business uh, but real estate you know the actual the land and the buildings and the doors uh, that is how we generate our income however what we've seen is as we're heading into this economic cycle in the, in the beginning when uh, covid uh, first hit and the and the country started shutting down well we got a rush of the college students putting their stuff into storage as they all went home 
And, and many times they do that anyways in, in the spring, but this time there was nowhere else to put it or to bring it back anywhere else. So uh, occupancy went up at the same time. Banks, as they always do, when there is a, a large shift in the economy, they hit the pause button. And so all, all developments and development funding, that, that faucet was shut off. The second big boost for self-storage was then businesses started closing, um, which obviously is not anything anybody wants to see. But immediately there's many, many businesses that went off the cliff. And so they took their inventory and equipment and exited their leases and, and the space that they were either renting and in some cases owning. And they put a, their businesses into self-storage for another day when the economy opened back up again. Then everybody that worked in an office building was sent home and that could be one or two wage earners and they were forced to set up an office at home many cases uh, where they never had one. So they're cleaning out bedrooms and kitchens and dining rooms and converting them into office space. And so that was the third rush into self-storage. And so these are all booms to the industry that uh, we haven't seen before. And, you know, as we, we all know, we're 10 years into this economic cycle and uh, we have a, a recession every seven to 10 years in this country, and it's during those times. If we look back to 2008, and this is my third recession, self-storage is extremely well. Uh, when people, uh, we 60 million folks lost their jobs at the beginning of this, 30 million of those have come back, but we're still at, at numbers that are higher than 2008. And eventually that, that free money rolling in to cover mortgages and rents will go away, and we'll start to see people moving back home, moving in with each other, Unfortunately, people will be losing their houses again, and the impact on businesses will, will force another need for storage. And so um, we don't celebrate pandemics. We don't celebrate recessions, but it, it is a boom for our industry. We've seen it before, and, and we're prepared to, once again, take advantage of the gift that the economy is giving us in, in the form of that uh, by way of that, this huge rush coming back into self-storage to rent units again. Yeah, well, that certainly makes sense. In terms of, of the breakdown of who owns the units, are mm -hmm. do you have a sense of what the actual institutional ownership versus for lack of a better term mom and pop is yep sure do so we're we're right at 10 percent for years it's uh, been around nine uh, percent is what the the reits the real estate investment trusts have uh, owned and then the rest are um national players uh, but not reits some regional players and then the rest are mom and pops and so the uh, the big that's one of the big opportunities within this industry and why there's so much private money and uh, other folks looking into the industry is that uh, we haven't seen the consolidation for an industry our size and in our nature um in, in other areas of the economy and so uh, those numbers are going to begin to trickle up as as companies roll up their holdings into other companies and or to sell off to the larger companies and and we'll see that number shift uh, but it's only been about one percent for the over the past a one percent shift over the past three to five years it's interesting i, I think i would have guessed way 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 higher than that so yeah, well that's what you see when you drive around you you, you see the big gleaming three-story facilities mm -hmm. um you know on, on main street but uh, for every one of those there's a, another nine of them that are behind it or around the corner or you know in the secondary markets damn nice well scott savage nation is ready for your difference making tip what do you have for them Gosh, I think at this point right now, there seems to be so much lack of clarity in the marketplace. But, you know, for those that are looking, and I'm specifically uh, obviously niched in real estate and self-storage, but I think fear stops more would be successful entrepreneurs than any other factor combined. 
and uh, waiting for something to happen down the road when we have the lowest interest rates that we've ever had in history and we've got a lot of other folks that are selling out of fear or selling out of desperation um, now is the time to be looking at um, assets that produce income and also plays um, in the stock market and other alternative investments uh, i do believe that now is the time and if you continue to sit on the sidelines um, you may have waited too long well i think that that is great stuff that definitely gets come on come on Scott, thank you so much for coming on. Where can Savage Nation learn more about you and how can people engage with you and Kingdom Storage Holdings? Sure. On the passive side, PassiveStorageInvesting.com is our website that shows all that we have to offer by way of investments that people can partner with us. And if you want to learn about the business, head over to SelfStorageInvesting.com and, of course, the Self Storage Podcast to learn what we got going on each and every day. Perfect. Well, Savage Nation, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Scott your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas. Go to, is it PassiveStorageInvesting.com? That is correct. That is the site to check out the deals and then SelfStorageInvesting.com? Correct. You've got great websites, Scott. <laughs> we do our best. Those are great URLs right there. <laughs> Perfect. And uh, excellent. Well, thank you again, Scott. Thank you, George. Appreciate it. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight. We are all in this together. Spending too much time on social? Is your daily screen time over two hours? Are you a little bit overweight? Not saving enough money? Any or all of these are familiar. Strive could be for you. The Strive two-week online boot camp will help you to detox your mind, body, and money getting you on your way to a happier, healthier, wealthier, and more confident life. Go to strivedetox.com, S-T-R-I-V-E-D-E-T-O-X.com, and get your mind, body, and money right.